You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and minor league sports Tulsa. Ladies and gentlemen, now let's get to your host, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Presented by News on 6, Johnny Resendez alongside Dan Hawk here. It's going to be a special episode because we are talking no Oklahoma sports. We're going to talk about our first passions Wrestling say, is WWE wrestling. Now, I know what you guys may be thinking. Wrestling's fake and everything. Okay, listen. I'm 23. Dan, how are you? Like 35 now. Almost 40. We know right? <laughs> it's fake. We know it's fake. But, but we, we still love it. But we still also believe that the, the individuals that put themselves in the ring, the things they do to their body, there's nothing stronger and more athletic than wrestling. Right on the nail. And you know what? We had the honor. I mean, we had the privilege of being able to talk to one of the more successful wrestlers in the industry right now, which is Drew McIntyre, former WWE champion. Right now, he's one of the contenders in Money in the Bank, a big time guy in the company. And you're gonna, get, you guys will be able to listen to the interview here shortly. But and Dan, the cool thing about that too, I wanted to just touch base with this: there was no kayfabe. I no. mean, we had a straight interview. With Drew McIntyre, because remember, they're getting ready to come back to Tulsa to host SmackDown. And like I said, I mean, it was very cool to get some insider information about him. We're going to learn a little bit about his one of his favorite pets that I had no clue that he was a big fan of this pet. Um, a lot of people have this pet, but he goes a little extreme on on the type of pet he has. Right, and fun fact, his career, well, his, his, his rise to his career actually did start here in Tulsa. He has That's some correct. kind words about Tulsa. You guys can hear it here in a little bit. But, Dan, I wanted to do just one big-time topic for this podcast before we get into the interview, and it's one that I'm sure you and I are going to butt heads on. And for any pro wrestling fans out there who listen to this, listen, we know we're going to subtract someone who you're going to love. It's like, oh, you didn't add this guy in your top five. Listen, we know adding a, having a top five in pro wrestling is one of it's the hardest tough, ones. It's tough, man. One it's of the tough. hardest ones. It's easy for most sports you know, in um, let's go basketball. You got Jordan, LeBron. You could put Magic, Wilt Chamberlain, and then it's a Bill toss Russell. between Bill Russell, Kobe, all the other ones. Shaq. You know, if you're really high on Shaq, for most part, most sports have an easy, undisputed top five. Whereas wrestling, it's really, really, really hard. Because so, there's so many different eras in wrestling. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the Attitude Era. You have more of the gimmicky. You know, the '80s gimmicky the 80s era. With the, that's right. I mean, the era that was going on like here in the. And then 2000s. how about this era, the pandemic era with yeah. AEW? You know, if you're if you're a real diehard fan, you'll know what I'm talking about with AEW and New Japan, uh, because you know they're wrestling with no fans, and now they're getting hopefully coming up sooner than later having fans back in the arena and stuff like that. Right. There's definitely a lot of wrestlers out there that have never really wrestled for WWE who really deserve to be in that upper echelon of wrestlers. But for the sake of argument, we're going to go with the best wrestlers. And I do believe the best wrestlers of all time have all at one point or another wrestled for WWE. So let's get started. Do you want to go first or do I go first? Let's start off with my first wrestler, which I believe is going to be on your list as well. So are you starting with five or are you starting with one? I, I, I Let's start... Let's start with five. Cool. But uh, you'll probably say that he's more of a one than a five. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Ric Flair. With everything that he's been able to do with wrestling, 
obviously his career in uh, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, WCW, WWE, if you don't put Flair in your top five, you really have some problems. I mean, he changed the business, high-flying, uh, or limousine riding, you know, his quotes, his promos, his wrestling ability. The man could do it all in the arena in the sport of wrestling. I think he's in the top five. I don't know where you want to put him. I want to put him at one. But I don't know if you put him that high because, you know, you didn't grow up watching Ric Flair. I grew up in the later years of Flair. Yeah, I, I definitely grew up on the much more later years of Ric Flair. I didn't really get to appreciate him as much. I knew of his legacy. I just didn't really know. He's on my top five, but I'm going to get to that in a bit. I'm going to go with my number five. First, let me just say two honorable mentions. Two honorable mentions, one of which most people will associate top five. The other... Uh, probably not. My number six guy is Chris Jericho, right? Honorable mention, Chris Jericho. Not even in your top five. Someone, uh, no. Now, he's uh, for he's gone. He's been heel face, heel face, heel face so many times. It's kind of inconsistent in so my opinion. So you didn't have him on the list. No, I did not. Oh, I see what you oh, did. There. You didn't oh. even catch what I did there. Did you see that? God. I see what you did. <laughs> Wrestling there. into window for the fans. Just look it up on Wiki. The or other something. honorable mention I want to get to, and I'll try to get to my number five here quickly. Um, Eddie Guerrero. Now, me being a Hispanic man, watching Eddie Guerrero do the frog splash, making his world, uh, his heavyweight title run he did in the mid two thousands was something that gravitated me and my family and my cousins, everyone. We all loved Eddie Guerrero. So much, and to see him die, that was the first time where I felt true heartbreak in something that I didn't, for someone that I didn't even know, for someone that I just saw on the screen, and that was it. Because I never saw Eddie live. I went to a few WWE events, never saw him live. So, to me, he's one of the greatest of all time. But back to the topic at hand. Number five for me, a lot of people have this guy, number one. I'm going to do the same thing. For me, I got number five just because of how low his career dropped off after he left WWE is Bret the Hitman Hart. Now, if you're talking, you know, technical ability in the ring, he's easily top three. Easily top three. But as I said, his decline and the end of his career, uh, you can make the argument that's most wrestlers, but for Bret, it was kind of sad, especially after the screw job. Yeah, but Brett didn't screw Brett. Vince screwed okay, Brett. Can we at least agree totally to that? Right. You're totally right. <laughs> you know, and you know that storyline whenever he came back and he went up against uh, Vince in, I forgot which WrestleMania. Was it 27? Yeah, I think it was 27 sure. or 26, yeah. one of the two. Uh, it's not the same. No, it's no. not the same. But I do think Brett should be in the top five, but I do agree with you. His, his move to WCW was not in the manner that he wanted. He also got hurt, if you remember, because he punched Vince McMahon afterwards and broke his knuckles. Yeah. So that's why he was on the shelf for a little while. Yeah. But, yes, I think he should be in the top five. Let's get to your number four. M- number four for me. It's got to be Shawn Michaels, okay. the heartbreak kid. What he did with the Rockers, he 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 was a phenomenal tag team wrestler, and then he was a transcendent wrestler. Look what he did with Degeneration X, and then he retired for a while because of his back pain, and then he comes back and he's a totally different wrestler in the aspect of he's not doing the comic relief, you know, degenerate type stuff that he did with uh, Triple H because he found a new found love of. God, and so he's not going to do the crazy stuff that he did back in the day. And obviously, he's he's just an amazing performer. He 
he can also go off the top rope, but then he can also handle the mic pretty well, and he's pretty dang funny on the microphone as well. So I'm going to have Triple H, or excuse me, Shawn Michaels as my number two wrestler. Okay. HBK is definitely on my top five. Uh, he's a little bit, in my opinion, a little higher. But number four for me is Ric Flair. Um, now, like I said, people say, oh, Ric Flair should be number one, top sure. three, whatever. But you didn't grow up with him, so I got to no. give you some slack on that. But here's what I did see. I saw his decline, and boy, was that sad. <laughs> it was sad. What, what, God, what WrestleMania was that? Was it 24? Was his last match? Last match, quote-unquote. With Sean. With Sean. That would have been the perfect ending. That was great. That I mean, as a little kid, I say little kid. I was probably 10 or 11 when that happened. It, you know, it, it made me cry. It made me sad. And then... As I started to watch more and more pro wrestling, I started to hear about a little organization called TNA, Total Non-Step Action. It's like, oh, this is cool. Wrestlers I've never heard of. Boom. All of a sudden, Ric Flair shows up. I was like, oh, cool. He's going to probably just be a member of the company, but not really. No, he's wrestling. And man, when I tell you that was sad. And then when the 30 for 30 came out, whenever just saying that he was broke, he needed the money and just everything, I was like, God, we don't talk about Flair's decline that much with the other declines of all sports like Tiger and everything. Mm-hmm. But this man had a decline for the ages. But and he's still a 16-time heavyweight champ. No question. No question, for sure. But Can I get a woo from you? No, not right now. <laughs> they, there's people next door. I was You have no clue how close I was to doing that. <laughs> you were thinking. He was thinking it, guys. But... Um, so he's your number three. He was no, he's my number four. My number three, and for the number for the top three, let's just uh, to make this a little bit of a quicker podcast, so that way people can listen to the McIntyre interview. Let's just say our top three, just in order. So number three for me, Shawn Michaels. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number one for me, and I listen, people are. I already know people. No Hogan, no Macho Man, no uh, Ultimate Warrior, no Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah. The Undertaker supersedes all of them. All of them. I know I didn't grow up in the... I, I barely watched the end of the Attitude Era, so I never saw, uh, you, you know, Undertaker. Bad Blood with Sean. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. saw that. Never saw the first Hell in a Cell match. None of that. But... I saw whenever he was the phenom, where he was just absolutely scary. He was right on that streak. I saw. I think so you didn't was, see him in WCW as Mean Mark. Not then. at all. Not okay. at all. I started because most people don't realize that they look, think of that he was just a WWE grown product. He actually was no, in WCW he was, he, for. He was in the trenches for a cup while. Cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I saw his first match that I ever saw. I think was Mark Henry in WrestleMania twenty. God, I want to say twenty one. Um, and that was when he was like, I think he was 12 and 0. I'm not entirely sure. He was on his undefeated streak for, for, um, for those who are wondering for sure. The only thing that's disappointing about Taker and it's not him. It's the way the company went by having him lose his streak at WrestleMania. To me as a, as a fan, I wish that streak would have never been broken. I wish he could have went out undefeated and I'd have been fine with that. Right. Well, the thing was that was also Taker's decision. Um, I decision. understand. I understand that they wanted. You know, the thing is they wanted Roman to break the streak. That's which, correct. God, that would have been insane. How much of a, how much heat he would get as a heel after that? But it was to elevate Brock, and I didn't. Re- I didn't really think Brock really needed to be elevated 
that much. I think he was already at the top of his game yeah, at that time. But that just elevated him to just absolute stardom. Complete shock Sure. Never would have expected that. I'm surprised you have no Yokozuna oh on your God. list. Oh for God. the for Don't the people that me. are listening, my all-time oh. favorite wrestler of all time oh. is Yokozuna. I, I, I know people might laugh, but it just... For a big man like that to be able to do some of the moves, whether you like it or not, Johnny, the things that Yoko could do in the arena, in the in the ring, excuse me, it's it's cool, man. Don't don't deny me with this. Tell me, Yoko was a good wrestler. Listen, uh, for someone, Mr. Fuji was his manager. For someone his size, yeah, I'll give you. He had ability in the some ability in the ring, I guess. But he was a part of the worst main event in WrestleMania history at WrestleMania Nine. And, I mean, I can understand him being your favorite, but the greatest of all time. Well, if we're going to go with that, it's going to be Flair. Okay. So, is Flair is Flair your number? Is, what number would Flair be then? I would say Flair, Flair's got to be number one overall. Then it goes to Sean. And then my number three, we didn't get to it, it's Kurt Angle. I think okay. he's one of the most underrated wrestlers that WWE has ever had. Um, he was going to sign with ECW, but they did their whole hardcore angle, and he's was not going to sign. He decided not to sign with that, so he decided to uh, team up with Vince McMahon. But that's my top three, and I know some people might be like Kurt Angle, but Olympic gold medalist, and look what he did with his neck. Pretty impressive for everything that he's been you able know, to do. You know, Kurt Angle is one of those examples where. It's one of those things where he didn't really need to succeed and be considered the greatest of all time and still be in WWE. If you saw his run in TNA, man, that was good. You had a more edgy Kurt Angle. It wasn't that cowboy hat drinking a bunch of milk stuff. It was just this gritty, just this absolute monster of an Olympic gold medalist of Kurt Angle. People, like I said, don't really watch TNA. They won't watch New Japan, Ring of Honor. They're not really into all that. But if you are, if you're a true pro wrestling fan, you know that... Outside of the WWE, Kurt Angle was a big star. I I have him in my top ten, but uh, you know it was just one of those things where I, I uh, it, in TNA, even though he was really good, it wasn't the upper echelon, the absolute top of the top. If he would have stayed in WWE a little bit longer, I'd put him in the list. But uh, he's one of the greatest wrestlers for sure. Right. But well. We're going to toss it to our special interview with Drew McIntyre. Remember, WWE is coming to Tulsa. It's a pretty fun interview. You're going to get to learn a lot of things about Drew McIntyre. Here's our interview. Coming up in just a moment, Johnny and Dan will have more with this week's special guest. Remember, you can follow Johnny and Dan on Twitter. Now, back to Johnny and the Hawk podcast. We were trying to think of an Oklahoma tie to this interview with you. And I did some digging, and it turns out um, when you first debuted in 2009, when Vince said you were going to be the chosen one, a future uh, world champion, it was right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Do you remember anything about that day? Wow. Uh, I, like Sushi said, uh, the chosen one, I went, it wasn't Oklahoma, wasn't it? I do remember that day. Um, I don't remember a lot about my first run with WWE. I spent eight years with the company. I was gone for three. I've been back for three now. Uh, It was such a blur during that time. I was so young and stressed and nervous all the time. But I remember that night because it was so significant. And I can tell you this much, before Vincent Mann went to the ring and spoke about how the person he had personally signed 
was a future world champion, reminded him of himself, all of the nice things he said about me on live television. I didn't know he was going to do it. I was going to walk out right after him. That's all I was told was Mr. McMahon's going to say some words about you, then go out to the ring and shake his hand. So I stood with the rest of the world and watched live while he said the words that he said on TV. And I can still remember thinking, oh my goodness, and telling myself, this is perfectly normal. This just happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. It's never happened before. The way Vince endorsed me and probably will never happen again, and it's one of the highlights of my career. With that, you're going to be finally getting the chance to wrestle with in front of fans, you know, back here in Tulsa. In, in this whole time in the Thunderdome, these fans had to bring the passion every night, you know, to be on TV uh, in retrospective. You know, what's it going to mean to you to finally get in front of fans again here in Tulsa? Everything. I can't wait. Um, you know, I'm proud of the past year, everything we've been able to do throughout the pandemic, especially when every other sport and entertainment company had shut down and WWE was the only constant for everyone to look forward to. And we adapted with the times. We um, brought the Thunderdome to the world, an amazing piece of technology, which brought our fans back virtually, which was so, so cool. Um, but there's nothing like live fans. Like, obviously, we had them at WrestleMania for two nights, 25,000 fans each night. Pretty cool. Bit of a tease, because we had to go back inside the Thunderdome again. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, man, we only got them for two nights. But now we're getting back on the road regular. We're going to have live fans every single week. I can't wait to get back to Tulsa. I love Tulsa. I can still picture the hotel I stay at. I can still picture the 24-hour fitness that I go work out in. When I get to Tulsa, like I've got a whole routine hey, when I get there, and I just can't wait to see the live fans and hear them more specifically. Drew, uh, I want to talk about a little bit about your first stint in WWE. Um, obviously, it didn't go the way that people thought it did. I mean, can you talk to me about the change of mentality that you had from your first stink to your second stink right now in WWE? Yeah, uh, it was completely changed my mentality um, regarding the first run and the second run. I mentioned about, you know, the first run feeling like a bit of a blur and uh, being so nervous and anxious all the time and getting opportunities like being the chosen one um, and being positioned on top of the car when you're so young, you take it for granted, you assume that's always going to be the case, and it's not. Um, you have to remember that every day is day one. There's always someone kind of fighting it out for your place through their work ethic, and I was not giving it my all inside and outside, more specifically the ring. Uh, when it came to the areas of my weakness, I never looked at where can I improve. I was just like, oh, well, I'm doing well, so I must be just great. And then uh, later on in my career, you know, took the... The party into a bit of an extreme. And when I got fired, I had to look myself in the mirror and understand this was your dream. You weren't giving it your all. And it falls on you that you got fired. And from that day forward, I changed my mentality. I became accountable to the person in the mirror. I left no stone unturned when it came to my career and tried to always look for weak areas in my game, which I do to this day. And I treat every show and every interview like this one, like day one. The people watching this don't know who I am. So I'm going to basically try and educate them through this interview, hopefully make a fan hopefully get them to tune into WWE and make a new WWE fan. So the difference is, it was once a boy, it's now a man. And I'm, I'm curious, I always, I'm super curious, especially with uh, athletes who are individual sport type of guys like you guys. Um, you signed in WWE in 2007 when you were 21 years old. I mean, you got pushed so much at such a young age and you got so famous. Did, that, did the fame kind of... Uh, derail you in a sense was it a little too much for you knowing how young you were 
Um, I wouldn't say derailed me as such. I certainly got a little big for my bridges. <laughs> um, like a, uh, I was kind of suggesting there that I, I just assumed I'd always be on top. And um, that's not the mentality. You've got to humble yourself every time. You've got to remember, you know, even if you are number like one technically, that's not the mentality to have. Those days, I'd be like, all right, I'm on top of the mountain already. I don't have to fight that hard. These days, I'm always see myself as number two, and I'll never be number one because in my mind, number one is me. Next week, I'm always striving to be better, to improve myself, and getting a lot so young probably certainly increased the old head, which is never a good thing. <laughs> Being a Scottish wrestler, uh, the biggest name that comes to mind is Bill Dundee, but obviously Melbourne, Australia. What does it mean to you to carry the flag bearer of a Scottish wrestler on the biggest stage that there is with the WWE? Oh, cool. Um, it's crazy. Scotland, you know, it seems to be a country that everybody loves, uh, especially you know, history-wise, and their ancestors being from there, because I've heard for 13 years in America. Where are you from? Scotland. I'm from Scotland. It sounds Scottish, but okay. But I hear it all the time, so it's cool that people love Scotland so much because it is such a small country. There's legit five million people from there. And to be somebody who's doing something significant, doing things that nobody from Scotland or the UK and Britain in general have ever done, be the first British Royal Rumble winner, the first British WWE champion, is really cool and like hopefully shows everybody back there in such a small country if you chase your craziest dreams. They can come true, so that's really cool to me. But I've got that same mentality for across the world. I'm looking to inspire everybody, you know, in America, Canada, doesn't matter which country. But I am very proud of where I come from. Who's the stiffest wrestler you've had to face? Is it Sheamus? Yeah. Okay. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. We're pretty bad with each other. It's not like I can just say like it's just him. Like we can make crimes at each other whenever we wrestle. If anybody's ever got any questions about uh, wrestling and legitimacy of the in-ring action sometimes like trust me sometimes it gets a little out of hand if you watch Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus we commit crimes at each other and I've never been in a fight in a bar as violent as myself and Sheamus in the WWE ring now Drew I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, with the life of a WWE wrestler you guys are obviously all in great shape but you guys are on the road so much so just take me through how you can maintain all that shape with all the traveling you do. Uh, I mean, the past year is obviously a little different. We've been based at home the entire time. But generally, if we're on the road, it is 52 weeks a year. Sometimes three, four days a week, two weeks at a time if we're on a tour. And the difference maker over the past few years, uh, since my return to WWE, I can't believe I never thought of this idea is genius. Meal prep companies. Companies that make your meals, uh, they, make, they sort out your macros, figure out when you need protein, carb-wise, throw in a vegetable there. They send their meals, uh, your meals to you, like three, four, five a day, whatever you eat, and you can just take them on the road with you in a cooler. And you just microwave them, you can eat them cold, and that was such a difference maker to me because diet, realistically, as I found out over the past probably six years, is actually 80% of it. Like I've been told since I started working out when I was about 12 years old, Drew, it's all about diet, I never listened until I was almost 30. The second I started dieting, I saw such a dramatic improvement with my body. So bringing those meals on the road, accompanied with my working out, which I've always done to the highest level, um, really keeps us in shape. But it's not just about the weight training and the diet. Um, for me personally, I've been wrestling for 21 years. I'm always stretching. I'm always taking my supplements. It's all about staying healthy these days. What can fans expect to see 
getting back here to Tulsa. I, I know we're still a little ways away. We got the money in the bank coming up, and you know, best of luck to you in that. But but just getting back to Tulsa, and I guess give me a little uh, topic on uh, money in the bank. Give me your thoughts heading into that as well. Money in the bank, boys. You know, I'm excited about that, qualifying for it. Uh, if anyone's watching Monday Night Raw, they'll know that I can't technically challenge for the world title, which is the whole reason that I came to WWE to be champion and I'm not allowed to challenge for it right now. The money in the bank might be my last opportunity um, to challenge for a heavyweight championship on any brand in WWE. Basically, everyone out there with a ladder match at the top of the ladder, there's a little contract, you win the contract, you can cash it in, get a title match, whatever you want. So I want to win that thing. <laughs> Coming back to Tulsa, I can't wait. I cannot freaking wait. Everyone can expect a show that they've never seen before. If you know, you know. If you don't, you know, WWE is for everybody, from the youngest kid to the oldest adult. It's not just for guys. 40% of our audience is females. It's such an interactive show. Um, I, I, oh like, I miss the fans so much because we are such an interactive show. Not being able to go back and forth with the screens has <laughs> not been ideal, but I can't wait to get the people there. You're going to find yourself getting lost in the show. And these particular run-up shows are first time around. They're all going to be like little WrestleManias. The atmosphere is going to be electric. It's such amazing value for money. And if you're at one of these shows during our first run, especially in Tulsa, you're going to be talking about it for a long time. Speaking of WrestleMania, we've got a big event, SummerSlam, coming up on August 21st. That's going to basically be our WrestleMania this year. I've been hearing that everybody's making it like their vacation destination this year. Saturday night, Vegas, August 21st. If you're looking for a holiday, that's the place to go. It's going to be absolutely mental there, but it's starting off in Tulsa. I guess just sum it up for us. What does it mean to be a professional wrestler at the top of your game right now? Uh, I've been told that Bret Hart was your biggest influencer. If, if I'm wrong on that, you can correct us, but I guess just what does it mean to be able to wrestle on the highest stage and perform in front of fans? Uh, you're correct on the Bret Hart thing. Um, it's cool to not only have had him as a hero growing up, but to build a relationship with him. If anyone saw the a biography specials and some of our superstars, our legendary superstars, I was featured in the Brett one a lot and because I was asked by Brett. So that was really cool. And what it means to do what I'm doing, to be on top of um, the wrestling world, or at least one of the featured players, I'm just living my dream. This is all I wanted to do since I was five, six years old. I just released a book I'd usually pull out right now. I don't know where it is for the Chosen Destiny available now where I talk about it. Like, legit, this is all I've ever wanted to do. And I just feel grateful that I'm able to do it and will continue to do it as long as I possibly can. So then what would you say would be your favorite wrestling documentary that you've ever seen? Ever? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I've seen all of them. Um, I was... I mean, if, if anyone out there, like, what would recommend for people to watch? Like, I love the, the ECW, the WWE release DVD about Extreme Championship Wrestling. It was my personal favorite at the time. I was so obsessed with it. But for everyone out there, especially our newer fans, like, get on the WWE Network and Peacock and check out The Undertaker's Last Ride. Like, that's something that anyone can watch. Everyone knows who The Undertaker is, and it's such an interesting watch especially for someone like myself who spent years growing up around The Undertaker, knowing how private he is and how much he did not want to be filmed, did not want pictures taken to see him being so open. was pretty crazy and kind of gives you a look behind the scenes of what it takes to be a superstar at that level. Not many people reach that level he's at. I, I, I don't know how much time we have left as I know you're a busy man. Is there something that fans don't know about you, something unique about you that 
that you'd like to share? I mean, I've spent my life growing up in front of everybody, so basically everyone knows every little thing about sure. me, especially <laughs> with social media. Um, but if those that don't know out there, like I see you've got you know, a dog there, I'm an animal lover, <laughs> I have two cats, uh, but I love all animals. Um, and I've got, yeah, so cat Chaz, cat Hunter, my wife and I are about to move house, just to show like how much, like my wife especially, babies these things, obsessed with these things. Um, we're going to be moving soon instead of getting a truck and putting them in a, you know, a cage that most people would do to, to transport from house to house. Uh, we've had to rent an RV for the purpose of transporting the cats <laughs> just to make sure they travel the way they should be traveling according to my wife. So, yeah, so I have some spoiled cats. That's, uh, Drew, I do have one, one <laughs> more thing good, on though. me. I do have one more question on me. <laughs> Other than animal lovers, you do also love other sports, specifically soccer. Now, my friend Dan yes. here is not the biggest soccer. I grew up in Idaho, Drew. It's not a big sport in the state of Idaho. He's a, he's a, he's a typical... Well, it's an American general. It's been getting bigger in America, especially. <laughs> America did pretty well in the... Uh, what year was the, the World Cup? They did pretty well. 2014. Yeah, like it got a bit of a run, and I saw everyone watching football, sorry, soccer for the first time. I was walking through an airport, but to my next town, all I heard was somebody go, great score. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I look over and everyone's just watching the football. Went, oh, no, everyone's watching football. This is amazing. So that was my, probably my favorite year. And right now the Euros are going on. I don't know if you know. Yep. It's a big tournament. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of soccer, obviously repping the Mexico team right here. Um, so with the Euros, I mean, I'm curious. Like, I saw that you had Switzerland winning since they won France. You don't think that England's going to take it home? I mean, honestly, I thought Germany were going to knock them out. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, England might win it now. I just thought that we'd go out um, like they usually do in the first round of the second stage. And to see them progress, they might just do it. But seeing with Switzerland, we're able to do also. I got a good feeling for Cesaro in Switzerland uh, for this tournament. But uh, England may just, I've got nothing against England doing it. I'm just very upset that Scotland are just absolutely terrible. Football and sports in general. This is why I had to work so hard to get in WWE because we don't much to be proud of. We got a few actors. Um, Andy Murray just returned to the tennis and a big win yesterday in Wimbledon and myself. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we greatly appreciate it and best luck on your journey at Money in the Bank. And then uh, have fun in Tulsa. Maybe you'll see us in the crowd somewhere. Better. <laughs> right, appreciate you. Thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Johnny, that was. Pretty cool, man. Uh, never thought that we would have one of our big-time guests be a WWE wrestler. And the both of us, we even got to see him. He's a pretty jacked dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. The way he uh, maintains his body on the road. I mean, he said, what, 50 weeks on the year? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he's on the road. So the fact that he's able to maintain that, the fact that any of them are able to maintain that is great. WWE is going to come here in August. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun time. No shocker that Sheamus was the stiffest wrestler that he faces that is in the absolutely ring. Absolutely zero shock. Drew is a very interesting guy. I hope everyone really liked that interview. But uh, we're going to wrap it up here for Johnny the Hawk podcast. Tune in in about a week time. And we're going to be talking more about Tulsa sports. But until then, Dan, I'm just going to do it. That's it. Can I get two claps and a Ric Flair? Woo! Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Johnny the Hawk Podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.